Amen. We're so very glad to have you with us tonight. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, it is, uh, if you're visiting with us, we want you to know we're especially thankful to have you. And uh, we're blessed to have you uh, visiting with us. And we hope that we treat you well and make you feel welcomed. And we hope that you'll come back. And if there are any questions you have or ways we might serve you, please feel free to let us know. We're thankful to have you with us. And uh, to all of our members, we're glad that you have uh, chosen to uh, be with us tonight to worship God, study His Word, and fellowship with the body of Christ here. And so tonight, uh, we're, going to, we're going to look at uh, the, really what, what I'm saying, what, I'm, what we're going to look at in the Bible is the core uh, of our spiritual life. And those two, it's made up of two, two things, two parts. And that core of your spiritual life is what we have up here on the screen, and that is your, your heart and your mind. And so what we're going to spend our time talking about tonight is, is having a humbly submitted heart and a biblically formed mind. Now, it's those two things that I'm saying create the engine for your spiritual growth. Do you think this hot rod might be able to make it down the road pretty quickly. It's got some power to it, doesn't it? It's got some speed to it, doesn't it? It, it, it draws a crowd. It even draws a crowd of a guy in a funny hat up there. And so, you know, that, that, that engine, that powerful engine of spiritual growth is made up of a humbly submitted heart to God and a biblically formed mind. And so if you are wanting to grow spiritually, you need to look at, how's my heart? Is my heart humbly submitted to God? If you want to grow spiritually, you need to ask yourself, is my mind being biblically formed? And so we want to look at that tonight. So let's, let's, um, let's look at our first one, a humbly submitted heart. You see, God has always, always been after our hearts. He's always been after your heart. Even in the Old Testament, we see all of those, uh, you know, the, the, the Old Testament laws, and we may or may not understand all of those or, or the reasons behind them. Ultimately, everything always was always about your heart. Uh, turn and see what David wrote in Psalm 51 before we look at these passages. In Psalm chapter 51, and look at or listen to verses 10 through 17. And David, uh, in dealing with his own life, his own faith, his own relationship with God, and the, his, own, his own sin and situation that he was in, uh, he, he says some things and articulates some things for us that express what God uh, wants from us. Look at verse number 10 of Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now listen for what God wants from us. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. <clears throat> then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners <clears throat> will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. 
Now look at verse number 16. For you, you will not delight in sacrifice. Now this was the Old Testament times when David wrote this. <clears throat> For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. If that's what you wanted, David is saying, I would do that. But that's not what you want. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. Look at verse number 17. The sacrifices of God. What God wants, what he's after, what he's always been concerned about in your life and in everybody's life are these things. A broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. God has always been after our hearts. And so that's at the core of, of who we are and where we stand in our relationship with him. And so this humbly submitted heart. So let's look at our uh, first passage there on the screen, James chapter 4 and verses 1 through 10. James chapter 4 and verses 1 through 10. Now listen to what James says. We'll read it and then we'll, we'll think about it. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And I think about a humbly submitted heart when you're listening to these words James wrote. And think about this idea of a heart humbly submitted to God. Verse number two, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You, do not, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people, he writes in verse number four, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity or hatred really with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the, the spirit that he made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Verse number 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Okay, James said a lot there. Let's try to break that down and point out a couple of things. In verses 1 through 4, he's spending time talking about, look at you, look at your lives. He's writing to uh, these folks, these Christians, and how, how they were living, how they were acting, how they were uh, talking and treating one another, and the ungodly lives and decisions that they uh, were making. And in verse 4, he makes it clear, he draws that line in the sand, and he, he makes it clear that you can't be friends with both God and the world. He said, it's one or the other. You can't serve two gods in essence. And he says, you're either a friend of the world or you're a friend of God's. You're either, if you're a friend of the world, then you're an enemy of God. And you know that it goes without saying, if you're a friend of God, you're an enemy of the world's. 
You can't be friends with both. And that right there is exactly what we're challenged with in our faith, isn't it? Right there is where it's hard to be a Christian because we struggle right there. And that's why a humbly submitted heart to God and then a biblically formed mind is so critical to our, our faith, to our spiritual growth, uh, and to our relationship with God. Now, then in verse number 6, James tells them that God gives us more grace. Now, God has his limits. But James is saying, look, he's, he sees how you're living. He sees uh, the lifestyle that these people are living, the, 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 the corruption, the sin, all of that. And he's going to say more about it later. And what does he say God does? He gives us more grace. And we don't have time to look at other passages and say, well, you know, it's God's will. And none should perish, but all should come to know him. See, God wants every single person in heaven with him, so it gives us more grace. But the clock is ticking, isn't it? And we have choices to make. So he gives grace, tell, he tells us, uh, to those who are what? Humble. Do you see it there in your text? Those who are humble. Now look at verse number 7. Then we're encouraged to submit ourselves to God and, and do what? Resist the devil. So see how this works. James tells us how to get Satan out of our lives, at least momentarily until like he did with Jesus. I'll be back. Uh, and so we do it by submitting to God, and by, and by doing that, we at the same time resist the devil. And he leaves us. That's what James says right here. The devil, see, will test your heart. He wants to know what or who is your heart submitted to. That's what he, when he, when he pops up and, and tests you, and even though you don't recognize it, he's wondering, I wonder if right now he's not, his heart isn't submitted to God. I wonder if right now I can get her. See, that's why a humbly submitted heart is so critical in our spiritual lives. So Satan looks for that opportunity to test where our hearts are, where our loyalty is. And, and, and as I said, that's why this is so critical and so, so you know, the, where the rubber meets the road for the Christian. Now, when you draw near to God, James is saying, he does what? He draws near to you. Do you see that? So God, James is saying, is always there waiting for you. He, he's not trying to stay away from you. He's not trying to get away from you because of every little thing. You, he wants to be with you. And all he's waiting for is for you to have a willing heart, that humble heart to, to surrender to him, to submit to him, to come to him. Now, and when you do that, uh, he draws near to you. Now, look at verse number 9 there. In this passage, and let's see, let's see what J. It, that sounds a little strange. What he says there in verse uh, number nine. Look at that. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. But I thought we were supposed to be happy. I thought we were supposed to be full of joy. But that's not what he's talking about right now, because James is dealing with Christians who claim Christianity and yet are okay with the lifestyle that they're living, and it doesn't even convict their heart. You see that? It doesn't bother them how they're living and the choices that they're making. It doesn't bother them their heart is hard to God. And he's saying, what are you laughing for? What are you, what are you celebrating for? Why are you full of joy, he says to them. Uh, uh, 
He says, you ought to turn that to mourning and weeping, and you ought to understand how lost you are outside of Christ and how desperately you need Christ and his forgiveness. And so that's what he's getting at there when he, when he writes that in verse number 9. So when you do that, though, look at verse number 10. When you do that, when you humble yourself before the Lord, what does he do? He lifts you up. So he says, quit acting like sin is okay. Quit acting like you don't have to deal with this. When your heart is getting harder and harder towards God, he's saying, no, that's the wrong thing to be happening to you. You've got to humbly submit your heart to God. And when you do that, that's when he can work on you. That's when he can work with you and he'll, <clears throat> he'll lift you up. Now, let's look at our Acts passage. Let's see an, see an example of this. Uh, in Acts chapter 9 and verses 9 through 24. We won't read all that. We'll kind of we'll jump through it, and I encourage you to read, uh, read that in its entirety. But here in this passage in Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 24, um, we see a guy named Simon, and Simon is what? He's a magician. That's how he makes his money. He's a magician. He, and, but this guy isn't just some you know, card trick guy. This guy is a, is a local celebrity. He's a big deal. He is a celebrity. He's got everybody fooled with all of his tricks. Now, the, uh, Philip, the Bible says, was there. And in verse number, number 12, look at what it says. When the people heard the good news of the gospel that Philip was preaching, they left Simon. They had been following Simon because this guy was pulling all kinds of tricks and doing all kinds of things. And he's making money, he's making a living. And so they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and they turn from uh, Simon and they start following uh, Philip. And the Bible says that uh, they were baptized, both men and women. But then, this is good news, we see that Simon... Uh, listens to the gospel, he believes it, and Simon is also baptized. So that's good. But look at verse number 18, and we're going to see our example of this, 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 this subject, this issue of a humbly submitted heart. When Simon saw that the apostles were giving people the Holy Spirit by laying their hands on them, they went to Samaria to do this. This was a unique thing in this, at this occasion that God was doing, uh, and we don't have time to get into that, but I'd encourage you to study that if that's something you're, you're wondering more about. And so they went to Samaria. Terrence taught about the Samaritans in, in all of our classes last week, perhaps. But you know possibly that who they are and how they were seen and how the Jews saw them. And so they go to Samaria to lay their hands on them, the apostles, as this uh, official uh, confirmation that the gospel is for them too. Okay? And to give them the Holy Spirit. And so it was a unique thing that happened. And, 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 and uh, uh, Simon saw this and he wanted that magic trick too. <clears throat> if Simon could do that, man, think how much money he could make off of that trick. So he's like, show me how to do that. Get, you know, that's what you, that's a, it's a question you ask after every magic trick. How'd you do that? And the guy walked through a glass wall, went in, reached into a glass donut case, got a donut, and walked back out the glass wall, and everybody said, how did you do that? 
Well, you know it's not real, but he's got some kind of trick. And Simon says, man, if I can figure out how to do that trick, I'm going to make some money. And so what does, what does Peter say? It's Peter talking now. And, and what did Peter say to Simon in verses 19 to 21? Simon now was even willing to pay for the trick. And Peter said, may your silver perish with you, for your heart is not right before God. Do you see that? And Peter tells Simon also then to repent and pray to God that he would forgive him of the what? You see that? Intent of his heart. So, Peter, Peter, did Peter believe? Well, the Bible says he believed. Did Peter get baptized? Was he a Christian? The Bible says that he did. But then he still had some junk in his heart that he had to deal with, didn't he? He still had to get that heart fully submitted to God. And so, uh, you know, he, he asked them to pray for him, all of that. And so we hope, we don't really know how it all turned out for Simon. We hope that it turned out well for him. So that's an example of somebody whose heart wasn't fully turned towards God, wasn't fully humbly submitted towards God. Now, in, in Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said, there's a context there I encourage you to look at, but Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there what? There will, be, will your heart be also. So whatever you're treasuring, your heart is chasing that treasure. Wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Do you see that? And so he says, lay not up uh, for yourself treasures on earth. Where thieves steal, moths, you know, rust or decay. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. The eternal life, okay? And so your heart will follow your treasure. We treasure, see, you treasure the things of the world and your heart will follow. Treasure the things of God and your heart will follow. Simon believed and was baptized, but his heart wasn't yet humbly submitted to God. He saw the chance to earn a new trick and earn some extra dollars, and he was willing to pay for it. But his heart wasn't right. He was, he was still, uh, uh, you know, in, 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 still lost in a sense in that in that way in his life. And, and Peter addressed, that's why Peter addressed his heart. You see that? Peter went straight to dealing with Simon's heart problem. Your heart isn't submitted to God. Peter instantly saw his heart wasn't right. So a humbly submitted heart is at the core of uh, who we are and who we claim to be and at, in, at that engine for spiritual growth in our life. I mean, you're not going to grow spiritually if your heart isn't right. Now, now let's go to our next one, next point about being big, biblically formed. If your heart is not biblically formed, uh, uh, humbly, you can't get biblically formed because the Word is going to tell you some things about yourself that you're not going to like, that you're not, you're going to wish the Bible didn't say that. You don't want to hear that. You don't want to deal with that. But it said it. And you've got to deal with your heart. Are you going to be biblically formed or not? So look at, look at John chapter 5, 37 through 40. Jesus here is talking to uh, Jewish people who did not believe. They were challenging him. So in verse 37, Jesus says, And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. He's telling these Jewish people, you had not heard God's voice. His form you've never seen. You've never seen God. 
Now look at verse 38. And you do not have his word abiding in you. Now who was he talking to? He was talking to Jewish people who knew the Old Testament, as we call it, call it today. They knew that so-called God's word, as they would say. You see what I'm saying? But he's, Jesus is saying, you do not have his word abiding in you. Why, Jesus? Why would you say that? For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You see that? Now, look at verse 39. You, here, he's, he's, he's calling them out for not being really having a humble heart to God and not being biblically formed. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. That sounds a little tricky, but listen to what he says. And it is they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me. You see what Jesus said there? Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So Jesus said, you don't even have his word abiding in you. Now, then he says, and because of that, you, and because you don't believe the one he sent. So uh, then, now look at verse number 39. And, and why would he point this out to them? Because the study of Scripture itself does not give you eternal life. You can study the facts and the information of the Bible all day long and not have eternal life. Now, I know at first glance, that sounds a little like, wait, what? What did Jesus just say? But that's what he's saying. His point is, is that I am eternal life. And the scriptures point you to me. They take you to me and they tell you the story of what God has done all this time and what God is about and what God is doing. So in searching the scriptures, you ought to find me and believe in me, and I'm the one that gives eternal life. So being uh, biblically formed is not the same as being biblically informed. Do you see that? You can be biblically informed all day long and be as lost as you can be. You can have all the facts you can know all these historical things. You can know all kinds of things about biblical information and not be biblically formed. And that's what Jesus was dealing with with them there. And so you've got to watch yourself or you'll have your chest out feeling proud, feeling good about yourself because you can raise your hand and give answers in class and state information and facts, and you can put stuff on social media, and you can argue with the best of them. And look, don't get me wrong, there's a, there's a place for that. We're not, we're not saying knowledge is not important. But what, what Jesus is saying is that it's not about just having some facts to regurgitate. It's about knowing me and having life in me. That's the point he's trying to make. So you have to watch yourself. You'll, you'll, that's why I appreciate the, the, the lesson that uh, Blake preached this morning. Um, instead of having a humbly submitted heart, seeking the Savior in the inspired Word of God, you'll be sitting there pleased with yourself for all of your biblical information. 
And so Blake's sermon, I feel like ours connected well uh, today, and I wanted to include this quote from his sermon this morning, and uh, where he said, make it your life's work to uncover the glory of God revealed in Scripture. See, that, that's, that's a totally different thing from, oh yeah, I, I, I know, you know, this history about the Bible, I know facts about the Bible, and, and you know, I, I can win a Bible trivia game. Fine, okay, wonderful, great. But are you doing this? Are you, is your life's work to uncover the, the glory of God revealed in Scripture? That's a whole different kind of thing. That's being biblically formed. Now, that doesn't happen when you outsource your spiritual life to the Bible class teachers or to the preacher. You got to want this on your own. Now, we, we have a responsibility at church to do our very best in our Bible classes and all of that we provide. But you can't outsource your spiritual life to the church. What you've got to do is plug into what they're doing so it can help you while you're doing it, taking responsibility for your own spiritual life. Does that make sense? And that's what Jesus would want for us. So let's look at Romans chapter 5, uh, verses eight, uh, 5 through 8, and you'll see this. Make a couple more points here and we'll be done. Look how important it is for our spiritual life to be, be biblically formed by the Word of God. Romans 8, 5 through 8, Paul writes, For those who live, listen, listen to, listen to the, 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 two, the dichotomy here. Listen to the two things here, uh, the two competing elements, biblically formed uh, mind versus not, as well as you hear the heart uh, referenced here. For those who live according to the flesh set their what? minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit for to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to god it does not submit to god's laws indeed it cannot those who are in the flesh cannot please god so your heart and your mind are going to lean one way or the other, and you've got to decide which way they're going to lean, which way your mind are going to go. Uh, as Paul puts it right here, it really is a matter of life and death. That's how serious. See, we think our cholesterol is the problem. We think our high blood pressure is the problem. We think, we think our aches and pains are the problems. We think, we think that all of these physical ailments, and those are problems. But the most serious problem in our life is where is my heart and, and, and where is my mind? Is my heart and mind right with God? Okay, look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. You can, I'll kind of skip through that so we can wrap, wrap up. But look at, look at the first uh, two verses there. Paul writes, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things, if, in other words, if you're a Christian, you've been baptized according to Scripture, uh, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then what does he say? Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Okay? Now skip down to verse number 9. You see verse number 9? Do not lie to one another. And then look at what Paul writes. 
seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, that's who you were before you were a Christian. That's that stuff uh, before Christ, pre-Christ. That's what that stuff is, that, that life uh, that you lived outside of Christ. Uh, and have put on the new self. That's when you become a Christian, which is being renewed in knowledge. You see the mind there? After the image of its creator. Okay? Now skip down to verse number 15. Look at 15 and 16. Paul says something. He says two things. He says something about our heart and something about our mind. Look at verse number 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your what? Hearts. You got to have a humbly submitted heart for that to happen. And then look at verse number 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You got to be biblically formed. Do you see that? Now, and then look at verse number 17 and listen to the heart, that humbly submitted heart. You hear it talked about here and what Paul says. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He's saying that's how the Christian is supposed to live. That's what Christianity looks like. So, I want to extend an invitation and ask you about the ingredients that you're putting in your life. The ingredients of a humbly submitted heart and a biblically formed mind. There, there are some ingredients going into your life, into your heart and into your mind every day, all day. All kinds of ingredients. And you've got to decide, I'm going to take control of what those ingredients are. And so if you put in the right ingredients, that humbly submitted heart to God, that biblically formed mind, you get a great thing, don't you? But you let the world decide, or you don't take responsibility for that, and you let the world decide, it's going to dictate what goes in your heart and where your heart leans and what goes in your mind and, and, and where your mind leans. You're not going to turn out like that. Now, it may feel good. There may be plenty of money. There may be plenty of luxury, and everything seems fine. But we're talking about our eternal lives, not how our physical lives may or may not be, because that's what's most important. And so if there's any way that we can help you this morning, if, if you need prayers to the church, if you want to study, uh, if you need prayers for any reason at all, if you need help getting your heart Submitted to God. And if you, need, if, if you need prayers to work on having a biblically formed mind, we want you to know that the Oldham Lane Church of Christ is here for you. And that is important to us. And your soul is important to us. And we want that to be just as important to you. So if we can help you in any way this morning, uh, tonight, please come forward now as we together stand and sing.